Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi, I'm Gabby. Hey, I'm Rob. And this is Provenance Podcast, a weekly podcast where I tell Rob about a movie, book, song, etc., and the true story that inspired it. Sometimes we'll do the opposite and talk about a real-life event that was inspired by one of those things. Like last week? Yeah. All right. And by one of those things, I mean a book, song, movie, (laughs) in case it wasn't clear. Okay. So today, I'm going to tell you about the true story that inspired Wes Craven's Serpent in the Rainbow. Hell of a movie. Okay. Imagine you're walking through town when you're approached by a deceased loved one. You were there 18 years ago when they were buried, and yet here they are. What? They know things from when you were children that nobody else could possibly know, and they seemingly rose from the dead and traveled back to your hometown to find you. You mean when we were... When I was what a child? would you do? When I was a child or when I was children? When you and them were children oh, together. I misunderstood. Okay. Uh, I have no idea. That sounds insane. But it happened. And it happened to a Haitian woman named Angelina Narcisse. Her brother, Clairvius, had died 18 years earlier, and she signed the documents that declared him dead before watching him be nailed shut in a coffin and lowered into the ground at the local cemetery. Clairvius told Angela that he remembered all of it, too, because he was alive and conscious throughout the whole ordeal, yet he was unable to speak or move at the time that it happened. He recalled her crying at his bedside in the hospital, and he pointed out a scar on his face that he claimed came from one of the nails driven, being driven through the coffin. That night, Clairvia said a sorcerer, otherwise known as a bokor um, in Haiti, mm. came and dug him out of his grave. From there, he took him to a sugar plantation filled with tons of other zombies. They were drugged and forced to work the plantation. Two years after Clairvius arrived at the plantation, his captor died and Clairvius was no longer administered drugs. 
after regaining cognitive function. Oh, I should add too, um, his captor died because he had been killed by one of the other slaves there. He was killed by a zombie. Yeah. Um, after regaining cognitive function, he was able to escape. It took another 16 years before he would make it back to his hometown to find his sister. Before I continue telling you about Clarvius and Angela, I want to give you some background information on voodoo, but I'm going to pronounce it the way the lady that we met in New Orleans told us how to say. At that, um, the dark history tour? Yeah, because I'm just, like, I'm going to trust her over people on the internet. Like American mainstream? Yeah. Yeah. So she told us it's pronounced voodoo, so that's how I'm going to pronounce it. So um, I'm going to give you some background information on voodoo and Haiti. Okay. Um, I've tried to separate fact from fiction and racist assumptions from the truth, um, but it's kind of hard because Westerners and colonizers have twisted voodoo to be some sort of evil black magic when in reality it's a spiritual and cultural practice like most other religions. Um, it stems from West Africa and traveled with African slaves to the Americas. Practices vary worldwide, but it is a monotheistic religion. They believe in one God and recognize spiritual figures similar to saints. It is a religion concerned with balance, justice, and selflessness. Since slaves were forbidden from practicing their religious traditions, they began using Catholic imagery and items to get around this ban. So they would... If a Catholic saint, kind of, if they identified that Catholic saint to be similar to one of their versions of what a saint is, yeah. um, they would use that one to cover up them praying to the actual saint. Yeah, I remember her to. saying that. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Terrible, um, but cool. Yeah, it is absolutely terrible, but it just kind of speaks to, like, the ingenuity um, of people when they're in a horrible situation to get around you know bans on their own cultural practices and being able to still like have faith despite being in an absolutely fucked up situation yeah it's cool that they fought for their faith yeah yeah um voodoo played a huge role in the haitian revolution because of this, Europeans used fear-mongering to try to keep slaves in North America from successfully over overthrowing their captors using voodoo. Um, these racist misconceptions have continued on through today, especially in Hollywood. Although it's been whitewashed to oblivion, the belief in zombies was an important factor in voodoo. Haitian slaves believed that once they died, their souls would be released back to their homeland, Africa, where they could be free, but they believed this would be denied to those who commit suicide. Instead, their bodies would remain on the plantations forever, and that is what a zombie was to them. Mm. So they were, their spirits trapped in, like, in Haiti. Like, in their mortal form, but dead. Yes, um, with no will or freedom. You know, because they're trapped on this plantation instead of being back in their homeland. Miserable. Yeah. After the revolution, the lore changed a little bit. Zombies were believed to be created by voodoo priests, otherwise known as bokors. They raised the corpse from its grave and used it for free labor. Hmm. Um, 
It's especially important to consider Haiti's recent history. It was not long before Clairvius was pronounced dead that Haiti was struggling under the regime of Francois Duvalier, also known as Papa Doc. He was the first democratically elected black president of Haiti and a practitioner of voodoo. He grew up during U.S. occupation in Haiti, and he rightfully hated the control the U.S. had over the country. As a young man, he traveled to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Come on. Yeah, to attend University of Michigan's medical program. Let's go blue. No, I went to Michigan <laughs> State, so no. But, but um, we live in Ann Arbor, so. Yeah, he brought back his knowledge to help his country, but he soon turned his attention toward politics. I won't go into great detail about his political experience before becoming president, but he was appointed Director General of National Public Health under President Dumarsay Estime. I think is how you pronounce it. It's a French, Until it's a French saying, I imagine. That's a name. Or name, excuse me. Yeah. Until a coup overthrew Estime. In 1957, he was elected president, and he quickly created a militia called the Tantan Maku to help him remain in power. Tantan Maku is the name of a voodoo figure that is similar to our boogeyman. So imagine, like, there was a militia in America called, like, the Boogeyman. That would be pretty scary. Um, yeah, yeah. Before Papa Doc had risen to power, he had combined his medical expertise with his voodoo religion, leading people to believe that he had actual magical powers and had done miracles, been a part be- of... Because he could heal people? Yes. Um. He had solidified the nation's belief in him as a powerful sorcerer, so his claim that he had amassed an army of zombies was believed by a significant portion of people, which is basically what the Tantan Maku was, like what he told people. Like he had an army of people who did his will, and he could use them wherever and whenever he wanted. And he even said that he was able to terrorize people that were nowhere near him. Like, he claimed to be responsible for JFK's assassination. Hmm. Interesting. That's yeah. that's terrifying. So, he used his status to terrorize the citizens of Haiti and enrich himself and his family. His militia would kill his detractors, and it's estimated that they were responsible for the deaths or disappearances of at least 1,000 Haitians. It was not until Duvalier's death that he was replaced by his son, who was called Baby Doc. His reign was less deadly than his father's, but he, for the most part, maintained the authoritarian matrix his father had built. So, with this background information on the importance of zombies to Haitian culture, it should be no surprise that Clairvius was believed to have been the victim of a bokor who turned him into a zombie. Mm -hmm. Um, Furthermore, he is not the only Haitian to have claimed to have experienced similar crimes. Um, The reason his story gained so much notoriety, though, is because his death was actually documented by a hospital that had American doctors working there and who had signed off on his death certificate. Hmm. Um, so he had shown up to the hospital on April 30th, 1962, with a fever and coughing up blood, and his health declined over the period of three days before he was pronounced dead. And then remember, he didn't come back until 18 years later, so the, this didn't all come to light until like yeah, 20 was, years later. Yeah, 70s or 80s. Yeah. Um, his case sparked interest among American scientists when Dr. Lamarck Doyan reached out to ask for help from an ethnobotanist. 
Dr. Doyon was born in Haiti and trained in Canada, and he had been looking into the phenomenon for a long time. He theorized that zombies were drugged with something that slowed the metabolism down to a near-death state, but he was unable to figure out what substance could reliably do such a thing. Dr. Wade Davis, at the time he was still pursuing his doctorate, um, a Harvard-trained ethnobotanist, was ultimately chosen to travel to Haiti. Dr. Davis used his contacts to get in touch with contacts in Haiti, and Marcel Pierre was the first suggestion. Marcel was a Bocor and was paid to provide Dr. Davis with a sample of the powder allegedly used to create zombies. Dr. Davis accompanied Marcel as he collected the necessary ingredients, one of which was human bones, Mm. and Dr. Davis was dismayed because he knew that none of the ingredients that they had collected would have the intended effects. So he was like, this is a scam, you know. Zombie Um, dust is not real is what he's saying at mm, this point. No, he just thought it was a scam. Like, he just thought this person is not giving me what they actually use. Which makes sense because if it's like a closed practice why would you, you share might it? not want to share that yeah, yeah. um <clears throat> he went on his way but came back three weeks later to confront him marcel upset at being called a liar handed another sample to dr davis who pretended to pour it into his hand pierre responded by telling him you're a dead man but dr davis was fine since none of the powder actually touched his skin um apparently this was enough for marcel to agree make the real thing for him once again dr davis went along with marcel to gather ingredients toads sea worms lizards tarantulas and human bones again were all part of the sample according to an article by harvard magazine Mm. and dr davis claimed he had to help grave rob a child's grave to get the bones why a child never mind i don't want to know well, if I had to guess, it was either because that was the easiest or because a child is very small, so it's very easy to get their body out of oh, a grave so to get their bones. Gruesome, yeah. Um, each sample differed slightly in the ratio of its contents, but the active ingredients always remain the same. The most important ingredient being dried puffer fish. Mm-hmm. Puffer mm-hmm. fish produced trototoxin, an incredibly potent neurotoxin. To trototoxin. Tetrodotoxin blocks voltage-gated sodium channels, inhibiting action potentials in neurons. If neurons can't fire action potentials, then they can't send signals and the body becomes paralyzed. This includes the diaphragm, which leads to respiratory failure in a lot of people who are poisoned with tetrodotoxin. Okay, so tetrodotoxin is from the blowfish. Okay, and then that affects you pretty bad and you can't breathe. Yes, if okay. so, if you die, obviously, yeah, you can't breathe. But um, for the people who don't die but are like they seem dead, they're obviously breathing just enough to keep them alive. Um, mm-hmm. like their diaphragm is still affected; they are still paralyzed. Um, but they're able to get in just enough oxygen to remain alive. Okay, 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 got it. Yeah, but they. Even though they're paralyzed, they're still cognitively aware of what's going on. So, um, Dr. Davis was familiar with the puffer fish uh, as it is considered a delicacy in Japan. It's called mm-hmm. the fugu fish. Yeah, they did that on The Simpsons. Did they? Yeah, it was a whole episode. It was awesome. Really? Yeah, I'm not, I haven't seen a lot of The Simpsons. Well, but it was like early in their yeah. uh, 
the show. The yeah. show, yeah. Um, chefs must have a special license to prepare the delicacy. They remove most of the toxin, but leave just enough so that patrons may feel the effects of the toxin, which includes a tingly spine, tongue, and lips. But deaths still occur when not enough of the toxin is removed. The concentration of tetrodotoxin present in a pufferfish varies significantly depending on sex, location, and time of year. Hmm. Um, Japanese victims of tetrodotoxin poisoning due to ingesting too much of the delicacy report experiencing paralysis and a rapid decline in breathing, yet they're still cognitively present. Wow, so maybe this is real now. Yeah. Like this concoction that he's made actually makes sense. Yeah, like everything that Clairvius um, said he experienced is very similar to what Japanese people who have experienced it said. Wow. Yeah. Okay. They said they can hear everything going on around them, and some of them have been pronounced dead and buried, just like Clairvius, um, and then wake up. But how do they, if they're buried, how do they get out? I'm assuming um, either they dug themselves out, or I'm not quite sure, but obviously they did somehow because they lived to tell the tale. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, Dr. Davis concluded that zombie victims who live after the initial poisoning are then fed detura to keep them in a trance-like state. Detura, also known as the zombie cucumber, contains atropine and scopolamine. They're both anticholinergic drugs and are very useful in a medical setting, but in high concentrations, they can lead to delirium, confusion, psychosis, etc. Dr. Davis felt like he had found a plausible explanation for the drugs that the Bocors used, but he knew that more research was needed to fully explain the phenomena. One lingering question was, what is the point in creating a zombie? Cheap labor was abundant at the time, and surely a person who had been repeatedly dosed with stupefying drugs could not be working at a high capacity. You know how he waited 16 years after freeing himself yeah. to go back? Yeah. That's because... He had abandoned his children and tried to steal land from his brother. And that's totally illegal. Well, it's against the code of ethics, okay. at least. I don't know if um, at the time it was actually illegal to abandon your children, but trying to steal land from your brother, I'm sure, is illegal. Um, but either <laughs> way, both of them were against the code of ethics. So... Clairvia said that it was actually his brother who had sold him to the Bocor um, to have him stolen. Yeah. So well, he was mad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, he uh, didn't come back for 16 more years because that's when his brother died. Oh. So he waited until he heard that his brother had died to go back and see his sister. Wow. Yeah. Um, so... Clairvius had been a social pariah, and this led Dr. Davis to speculate that zombi zombification, zombification mm -hmm. was a punitive measure used by local leaders to essentially keep members of the village in line. He claimed that he had met with many secret societies who were in charge of certain areas of Haiti, and these secret societies had the ability to essentially zombify village members who break some part of their code of ethics, like abandoning your children. 
He concluded that the cultural phenomena of zombification, along with the use of drugs to physically alter the state of individuals, allows the secret societies to maintain order via threat of selling you off into slavery, basically, um, or zombifying you and then selling you off into slavery. For rural Haitians, um, zombification is an even more severe punishment than death because it deprives the subject of his most valued possessions, his free will and independence. Um, that was a quote from a Harvard article that I got a lot of this information from. Okay. Um, with a history wrought with brutal slavery and a bloody fight for independence and freedom, it makes sense that the deprivation of both is seen as the most formidable as the most formidable punishment possible. Wow. <clears throat> so, like, more so than death. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, get, I wouldn't want to be zombified. I get it. But. Yeah, but, um, you know, when your country is created out of the only successful, like, slave revolution to happen, of mm -hmm. course it makes sense that absolutely that that would be worse than death yeah um dr davis published his findings in a book called the serpent in the rainbow a harvard scientist astonishing journey into the secret societies of haitian voodoo zombies and magic many members of the scientific community criticized his work some believed he had committed multiple ethical violations by doing things like paying the bokor or helping to dig up a child's grave Others okay. that's valid. That's yeah. valid. Yeah. yeah. Others criticized criticized the scientific elements. Yazumoto and Kao published their findings in the journal Toxicon, claiming the samples that Dr. Davis obtained contained only trace amounts of tetrodotoxin, not nearly enough to render someone nearly lifeless. Um, they also noted that the human bones in the samples created a very alkaline solution when dissolved in water, which was problematic because Detrodotoxin quickly breaks down in an alkaline solution. Hmm. Of course, there has been criticisms about Yazumoto and Cow's article, though. <laughs> um, and one criticism is that they only analyzed a couple samples. And as I noted above, the concentration of tetrodotoxin in each individual puffer fish varies widely. So yeah. depending on, you know, you use a puffer fish to make one sample might have a lot less tetrodotoxin than the puffer fish you used to make a different sample. Right, right, right. Um, and on top of that, the amount of actual dried puffer fish used in each sample will vary, of course, because they are made by bokors who do not use stringent measurements like a pharmaceutical company would. Right. They also overlooked Dr. Davis' explanation of how the powder is administered. It is not ingested orally. Instead, it is rubbed onto the skin or into a wound. So it doesn't matter that it creates an alkaline solution when dissolved in water because it's absorbed transdermally and the pH doesn't really shift dramatically once it enters the bloodstream. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too, because they, they, they never once said, you know, it was poured in a liquid and then they drank it. Right. It was like, you know, the guy poured it in his hand and he goes like, you're dead. Right. So that that adds exactly. Up. Yeah. yeah. Um. Furthermore, a pair of researchers in Switzerland, Benedek and Rivier, or Rivier, tested a sample and found that it contained much more tetrodotoxin than Yazumoto and Kao had found. Other criticisms <laughs> of Dr. Wade Davis come from the fact that he pointed to the code penal as evidence that... 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Drugs had been used to create zombies in Haiti for hundreds of years but he fails to contextualize the excerpt he points to. The Code Penal was created in 1835 and extended by President Giffard in 1864. In the extension, Giffard created stronger punishments for anyone who engaged in superstitious practices, and he redefined poisoning to include things that had not included before. Giffard did this in response to Haitian voodoo re-entering the, in- the international zeitgeist, as racist propaganda tied it to the murder of a young girl. It was said that the people who were executed for the crime of murdering the young girl Mm -hmm. had practiced voodoo, and the incident was used as a Trojan horse to perpetuate racist stereotypes about Haiti and voodoo. This context is important, obviously, because it's likely that the law was put in place to stop citizens from openly practicing voodoo so that it could not be used to paint Haiti as a dark place filled with dark magic. Furthermore, Dr. Davis was criticized for paying the Bokor for powder because it could be argued that the Bokor would do anything to satisfy Dr. Davis, considering Haiti was one of the poorest countries at the time. Dr. Davis responded and said, the people in Haiti have to pay for these powders, so why wouldn't I? Which, that makes sense to me. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a, it's a good, it's a service. Like, you pay for goods and services. Right, exactly, period. yeah. Um, I think it's also important to note that Haiti was so because France literally made them repay them for the quote-unquote debt to the slaveholders. Um, Yeah, it's ridiculous. So some of Dr. Davis' own words seem to suggest that he was unable to shake his own personal bias because he really, he tried to say that, like, he didn't want to, you know, paint Vodou or Haiti as, like, you know, the stereotypical ideas that people have Mm -hmm. of voodoo and, um, I guess, not Western religions. Um, But this is something that he said. Um, To the Americans in particular, Haiti was like having a little bit of Africa next door, something dark and foreboding, sensual and terribly naughty. So (laughs) that kind of seems like... Kind of nullifies everything he just said. Right, exactly. Um, it's hard to to parse through all of the information on the topic when it is so heavily documented by white Americans and Europeans as we inevitably reframe the narrative to fit our lens and so often play into racist stereotypes. Um, but I wanted to talk about the history of it all. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
but definitely, obviously, the best people to learn about Haiti and Vodou from are Haitians or black Vodou practitioners. Yeah. Um, like we did in New Orleans. Yeah. She was cool. She was very cool, and we learned a lot on the tour that we did. So, so I would definitely recommend if anyone goes to New Orleans to definitely do a tour. Yeah, the Dark History Tour in, in particular. Yeah, that's the one that we did. Um, so... Now I'm going to talk about the movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Oh, yeah. We're talking about a movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and as much as I loved the movie, The Serpent and the Rainbow, when I was growing up, it would be entirely disingenuous to say that it does not reduce Haiti and Vodou to a little more than racist tropes. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Obviously, growing up, I didn't realize that. I realize that now. Um, but the film is very loosely based on Dr. Davis' book of the same name, The Serpent and the Rainbow. Um, so in the movie, a researcher, Dr. Dennis Allen, is sent on a mission to Haiti to find a sample of zombie powder to bring back for testing because um, a pharmaceutical company is interested in what drug is used to do this for if, if anesthetic if purposes. If you're a representative of Big Pharma, please turn off this podcast at this time. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> um, so um, Dr. Allen meets a female doctor named Dr. I can't remember how it's pronounced. I, it might be like Duchamp or something or Duchamp. Duchamp. I don't know, but I'm just going to say Duchamp. 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 Dr. Duchamp. Okay. Um, <laughs> Makes me hungry. <laughs> she tells him about Christophe, a man who had been zombified after having powder blown in his face. So Christophe is basically clairvious. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. Dr. Allen is not there long before baby doc's Tantan Maku leader comes after him. His name is Captain Dargent Petrod, and he is a Bokor who does Baby Doc's bidding. Apparently, the regime feels that Dr. Allen's research is a threat to them, and they want to stop him. They physically torture him and try to destroy his plan to bring back the zombie powder. Of course, this doesn't work, and he successfully returns home with it. Mm -hmm. But Dr. Allen um, isn't truly rattled until he realizes he can't escape the horror as Petrod uses magic to haunt him once he gets back to America with the sample. As he should. Which is very similar to what Papa Doc said he could do. Like, he yeah. said, I'm, you know, a book whore who can terrorize you no matter where you are. Yeah, there's no hiding place. Yeah, yeah. I can kill you, I can hurt you, whatever I want to do. Um, hoping to stop Petrov from continuing on his reign of terror, Dr. Allen returns to Haiti, and with the help of Dr. Duchamp and Christophe, he must shed his scientific logic and atheist belief system to fight back against Petrod and Baby Doc. And I won't tell you how it ends. Right, but, you gotta um, watch the movie. Yeah. That is what happens. That's a very, very short summary of it. Yeah, it's a good movie. I remember it uh, from when I was young. Kind of like you said. Yeah, yeah. I remember my uncle talking about it. Uh, I believe... He had seen it in the theater and uh, was talking about it at a family function. Did he like it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Uncle Dave was a big movie buff. Yeah. Uh, miss him dearly. We yeah. talked about movies all the time, you yeah. know. Um, so that was just one of the things I remembered, you know, from my childhood. I don't know why I remember that, but I think it was because, like, when you're a kid and you hear Serpent in the Rainbow. It, it sounds, sounds very mysterious and, yeah. like, yeah, yeah. Mystical. Yeah, I feel like that was part of why I really liked it, too, is because I felt like 
the um title is like very alluring you know Mm -hmm. but um i also just found the whole like idea that there's a powder that you could blow on someone's face and it would like nearly kill them and you could i mean imagine how you could like apply that like it's terrifying yeah to have like something so concealable and so little mm-hmm. that could do so much damage like right as and, uh well go ahead sorry i didn't mean to cut you off no i was just gonna say like as a girl navigating the world who is like hyper aware of like danger in the world yeah. i felt like if i could just have like little like little powder to just be like darts of that yeah to like <laughs> just blow on people's faces You're i would feel now, so bitch. safe yeah yeah <laughs> So I th- feel like that was part of why I really like the movie, but um, but yeah, I, I just I think that um, learning about like the actual history of voodoo though is way cooler than like the dark war because it is a really cool. Um, I mean, I like learning about religions from all over the world, but yeah, and like one of the things that I always tell people this now whenever we talk about New Orleans or voodoo or anything like that. Um, and I have seen, like, other accounts that say other things, and it could be think that both things are true mm-hmm. at the same time. But mm-hmm. um, the thing about voodoo dolls, like, right. the, our tourist guide told us that voodoo dolls obviously are seen as this, like, these dark little figures that people use to stab pins into them to hurt people, like, their enemies and things like that. Right. Um, but in New Orleans... They were actually, or one of the ways that they were used was a lot of times the voodoo priest and priestesses were um, healers. So Mm -hmm. they would have people come in and they would help them. And then because it was forbidden to teach slaves, and these were very early descendants of slaves, um, how to read and write, they had to come up with a different way to keep track of all of their patients so they would make little voodoo dolls that looked like each patient that they had and they would put a pin where the whatever pain or health problem they were dealing with was to remember it was like a what's the word that i'm looking for like a ledger it was like a ledger yeah exactly so Um, like the the guy goes in with a broken arm and he's holding his arm and he goes in and they make this voodoo doll right mm -hmm. and they put a pin in his arm and then you know uh, white people or whatever come in and bust them for whatever they're doing and they see this dude that just walked out holding his arm and in there there's a doll with a pin in his arm that looked just like him and they're like well yeah I feel like she was giving a lot of grace though to people to like those people who like I feel like a lot of the time they wouldn't have even had to have seen that occur right, to even right. jump to that conclusion. Like they're just going to make up bullshit about it no matter what. But, um, it's just like a funny, it's like a funny thought in my head. Like, yeah, not funny, funny, haha, but like that's funny, ridiculous. weird, yeah, whatever yeah, the fuck, yeah. however it goes. But yeah, ironic, um, I guess. Yeah. Like that you're just making assumptions off the first right. thing that you see instead like of just like evil assumption immediately. Yeah, like yeah. these people are bad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I always thought that, that was a really cool factoid. But then I, I've also seen like a lot of um, other practitioners and people who have talked about it or who I've read about say that um, they do use voodoo dolls 
to um, not as like a ledger, but as a way to do good and either Mm. pray for themselves or pray for other people. And then they would put like a pin where like if you're say you are hoping this is an example that I'm making up off the like top of my head. But say you're yeah, say like you are hoping to like attract someone that you are really attracted to. Maybe you stick the pin in the heart and then you pray for like love to come to you or something like that, you know. Um, or like you know someone's pregnant so you're praying for their baby yeah so you put it in the stomach yeah or stomach area yeah 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 um but yeah so i think this is a really crazy story um and it seems that it did actually happen like it's this isn't something that didn't happen um but i will say and dr davis also said this he said i never claimed that tons of people were being turned into zombies in Haiti. Um, I just, you know, went to research what allowed things like what happened to Clarivius to happen. I'm not saying that this is like a widespread thing that's happening. Um, just that it happened and this is how. Yeah. And, um, there was another person that he went and like learned about when he was down there. Another person who had claimed to have gone through or who was believed to have gone through the same thing as Clarvius, but I believe that when he went down there that person was basically in like a vegetative state because like Clarvius was really lucky to go through this and mm-hmm. not have a lot of brain damage from hypoxia because Clearly. that does happen obviously or yeah. did happen or would happen to people who are poisoned with tetrodotoxin because you have so little oxygen going to your brain. Right. So um, they didn't have, like like I said, the reason that Clairvius' story was so um, huge was because he had gone to a hospital with U.S. doctors and had uh, at least one U.S. doctor sign off on his death certificate. So it was, Crazy. like, documented and for him to come right. back. Um, and there's also a famous picture of him sitting on his own gravestone so you should definitely go and look that up what? yeah i'm checking that out for sure yeah all right okay well that's the story and um next week we will probably do what we did last week don't give it away don't give it away and no one's listening to this podcast so it really doesn't there matter there are people but listening are you kidding me there's people there's people right now listening hope hopefully eventually people will listen but um yeah we'll do probably what we did last time where we talk about some medium of art and um someone who is inspired to do something because of it instead of art that was inspired by a true story come check us out yeah thanks for listening thanks all right bye 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 (laughs) bye How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.